All right, guys, it's time for the Next Level Guy Show, a men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is Sarah Jeffries. Sarah is a registered nurse, has a Master of Science in Nursing, expertise in emergency room nursing, education and sleep therapy. She's married to Olympic bronze medalist ex-boxer Tony Jeffries and is mom to three young girls, JD, Jessie and Jody, in Los Angeles, California. She's born and bred in Sunderland, UK and founder of TheGreatestSleep.com and the YouTube channel. And in this interview, we discuss men's health red flags you shouldn't ignore, how to source valid, reputable health information, how to sleep better, mental health warning signs to look for, and so much more. And now, let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for coming on to do this. I was really keen to have you because when I looked at your social media, you give concrete action steps, you give very, very detailed explanations in such an easy-to-understand method. But for people who maybe don't recognise your name, could you give a quick introduction and why you're going to be building a juggernaut of a health brand? Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so my name's Sarah Jeffries. Um, a registered nurse. Um, if I gave away how many years I've been a nurse, then you'll know how old I am. So I'll not do that. It's a long, long time. Um, I work in the ER most of the time. Um, I have a master's of science in nursing and then that led me on to be an educator in the ER. And then I was a sepsis coordinator for a tiny bit. And then last year, I just quit. Yeah, you're okay. Last year, I um, things just came to a head. And I think a lot of people were doing the same, just reconsidering what's going on in life. And I took some time off to just reevaluate. And I've been doing some YouTube videos and Instagram videos. Um, as you do yeah as you do who gets into that it's just a completely different world but uh, my husband is um is tony jeffries he's a boxer he won a bronze medal in beijing and we moved to america together like 11 years ago and he's been running his empire box and burn that's his gym over here and i was doing my thing in the hospitals and studying and you know, working full time, having three babies, all of that crazy lifestyle. And then COVID hits and you go, hang on a minute. What, what are we doing? Mm. Yeah. So that's where I'm at right now. And it's fun. It's weird until when the world stops, like every, because yeah. normally you go on holiday and everything's still there when you come back. And now it's given us everybody a chance to sort of stop, take a breath and go, what do I want from life? Because right. I was really interested in some of your videos because you cover areas, you're not afraid to cover the like the COVID situation, but you also cover like the sleep, the health issues that a lot mm-hmm. of guys sort of ignore. 
why do you think guys are so bad for not going to their doctors, not going and seeing their nurses and explaining what's truly happening? You know, like the yeah, the embarrassing body shows, those sort of things. Oh, I love that show. I love that show. <laughs> well, I think it's their embarrassment, really. You know, I've got two brothers, um, and they're the same, and they would always ask me a question, and it would start with, hypothetically, or I have a question for a friend. He did this, and do you think he caught this STD? Go, okay. So what did you do? You go, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Like it's mm. it's embarrassment. So you know, putting those videos out there that tackle um, topics that are even more embarrassing, like one of the videos we did on erectile dysfunction, and there's a video about an STD, chlamydia. Um, and I think now even more so the younger generation they can just get the information online. So I thought it was really important to put information out. I would tell them exactly the same if they came to the emergency room and asked me there if I was their triage nurse. So I just wanted to make it, you know, easy, easy information, easy accessible information. And if it helped anybody, great. And do you see like a change in like over the years when you've been nursing, have you seen a change now that this information is becoming more readily available or are people kind of, I don't want to just blame COVID, but you know how we've seen this push now to say, oh no, it's a big pharmaceutical lie. It's this, it's that. Yeah. Why do you think people are now sort of pushing away from that with all this amazing information that's available? How do we get men to kind of get the test done, to get the screenings, to understand the health is important and it could eventually cause serious issues down the line? Just education, but it has to be from a reliable source. And I think that's a, that's the, you know, a big problem right now. I'm, I'm sure you'll agree. You know, everybody is a scientist or a researcher. Everybody can go mm-hmm. out and do their own Google search. And I've had this conversation. It was right, you know, at the beginning of um, COVID. And I would come in from work and I would ask, get so many questions from friends, like, what's going on? Oh my God, is it true? Like, are people dying in the hallways? And I would say, look, I'm, I'm exhausted. Like, I can't just, I've been talking about this all day at work for 12 hours. So I'm just going to tell you where you can get your information. So, oh yeah, I've Googled it. No, no, don't Google it. You have to know where you're going for your information. So anything that's got .gov, .net, um, those are the things that are dot, um, not dot com, not uk. You know, it's got to be from a reputable source. So dot gov or dot net. Um, that's where I will go. And I just explained until you've done a research uh, paper, like many people do at university, you have to do a research article, like if you've got a degree or a master's. Um, and if you give your submissions, and said, oh, this is where I got my information from, and everything was .com or .co.uk, you wouldn't pass the paper because they're not reliable sources. Um, and there's another interesting thing that you can do on Google if you type in Google Scholar, and then it brings you to a different search engine, what nobody knows about, and you mm-hmm. type in what you want to find out about, and it gives you research articles, and you can tailor them down to when they were made, and that's a different type of information completely to what you could read on .com, which, you know, 
anybody could write and publish on the internet. Um, and that was one of the main things when I was starting these YouTube channels was people have to learn where to get the information from. Because it's true, it is. Like everybody thinks they're a scientist. Everybody assumes that because they've read it somewhere. And I mean, I work with PhD students in my full-time job. And one of the things I notice is when you say to them, do the research, you know, they've got peer review papers, they've got journals, they've got bibliographies, they've got, they can mm-hmm. do standardized testing and all the, you know, there's like an amazing breakdown. And you ask somebody yes. in Twitter, where do you get, where do you get that from? Oh, I read it on, let's well, <laughs> avoid saying certain sites. Um, and then yeah. they'll say, and then at the end they'll say, oh no, but I know somebody that had the, whatever and this they fixed it with so and so they never have specific details but they always know somebody and i think that's the problem is social media has given everybody a voice we all think our opinions matter yeah but it's become dangerous yeah i think that's a i think it's a good thing and it's powerful you know certain movements um but then you know going back to the research part you know i remember being at school from having to have a full semester on what actually is research all the different terms like peer-reviewed and meta-analysis and Mm. so many other different terms like it boggles your mind just to read a research article like that is 100 percent a different language so i think people just being aware of that to think like really yeah that article that i just read didn't mention anything like that it was just you know Joe Bloggs putting his ideas on a piece of paper. So how do you break down the, you know, the misinformation then? You know, how do we get people to use actual critical thinking and not just go through party lines? Because that, you know, you go into Twitter, for example, and if you look at the American COVID situation, it's always, oh, Biden mask mandates that, you know, it always goes back to, oh, he's a Dem, he doesn't always talk about it. He's a Republican, doesn't know. And I'm like, yeah, just... Get a grip. It all goes back to politics, doesn't it? And how how do you break that through? Like, is there a is there a way to explain it? You must be sick of having to explain the benefits of vaccines and stuff like that. How do we? You know, I think now it's reached a point that you can, yeah, you can you can say your side or what you know to be true till you're blue in the face. It's like you know. Well, pointing a piece of paper like that piece of paper is white and I'll go, no, it's not, it's black. Like, I know, so-and-so had said. Like, they just now, because it's been so long and there's so much misinformation and good information, um, you just, everybody's got their own opinion and you can't sway it. I think now the best thing to do is just, it sounds really choos- cheesy, but just to be nice to each other because everybody's stressed out. Mm. Everybody's so stressed. And do you find, I mean, like I've had the the two initial bo- um, vaccines, then we had a booster recently, you know, always wear a mask, sterilize my hands when I go in and out. Are these really going to be working? Are these issues like kind of safety precautions? Do you think they're going to be manageable long term? Can we keep, cons- you know, getting the entire planet vaccinated? How do you think this is COVID's going to change medicine and how we live our lives? I know it's a bit of a big question. A big question. Um, the basic hand washing and, and alcohol hand gel, like that should just be, that should just be 
standard. You know, given yeah, that sh- that should just be standard. But um, you know how in terms of how people think about medicine now, I think it's really rocky. I don't know what it's like. In all honesty, in all honesty, like I try not to read the news because it really will just like mess with your head so much. Because depending on which news channel you watch, it's all, you know, political and it really puts a stress on the mind. So for me, I don't know what's going on in England with the healthcare system. And that sounds awful to say that from somebody who was trained in the NHS and, you know, love the NHS so much. But I just can't listen to it anymore because it's just really, you know, it's on, it's really rocky. And over here, even more so because there's a shortage of nurses. There's a lot of nurses leaving the bedside. I'm one of them. Um, they're putting a cap on travel nurses' um, pay. You know, mm-hmm. there's just so much uncertainty. And I think I think nobody will really know what's going to happen until everything kind of like dies down. So, yeah, I haven't really thought about that question too much. I just just trying to just trying to take it day by day. You know, that is something I do say to people: is the problem is yeah. we were using information based on other pandemics and other things from previous history. Yeah, you know, like the Black Death and all these sorts of things. We're yeah. seeing science in real time. We're seeing medical breakthroughs in real time. And we, we don't know. I mean, yes, we'd love to have 10 years of data to show that these vaccines work, but right. we don't have 10 years to wait to save people's right. lives. I think, was it something like 500,000 had died in some countries? You yeah. know, to, for natural immunity, you have to get everybody to catch it. Yeah. And when you put that post up on your YouTube, on um, your YouTube, the one on your Instagram, the number of no, no, no I'm right. Uh, you know, the level you could feel the anger, the emotion yeah. coming through in mm-hmm. the posts. Yeah. And it's like, how do you have a civilized conversation at that point when people are just saying big farms, uh, pharmacies are lies, they're stealing, it's all paid for by some global consensus? You know, and you think, how do mm-hmm. you break that down to somebody and say? No, this is what your body does. This is how it reproduces antibodies, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I have seen a change in people. You know, they have been, you know, definitely wear a mask, get vaccinated. And then the second they said boosters again, they were like, really? You know, I've done, yeah. I've done my vaccinations. What What would you recommend? Do you think everybody should get the boosters? Do you think everybody should get the, vaccina- um, the vaccines? Is there a sort of limit that you think majority of people would do that would see a big improvement? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. Um, I believe in the science, I do. Um, mm. And in the beginning, I remember explaining to so many people, like I worked with top epidemiologists. You know, a year ago, you told somebody you worked with an epidemiologist and they wouldn't care or say, what? What, what, does, that, what does that person do? You know, like they track they track the diseases around the hospital and they learn how to control them. And, you know, they look at a lot of data and working with, you know, um, ICU intensivists and surgeons and um, pharmacologists, just that amount of detail, what they talk about and they live every day. 
unless you spend your whole life doing that, you're never going to be able to comprehend the information that goes into their job, the information that they need to do a research study. So I just, you can't really explain it. You just have to, you just have to empathize with the way that they're feeling, really. And I try and just bring it back to what I would say to somebody in, who was stressing out in the ER. No matter how much they're stressing out, you can't, you can't, it's like, um, it's like trying to argue back with a toddler. And that sounds really condescending to somebody who's against the vaccine, but you can't argue with them. There's no reasoning. You just, mm. they believe what would they want to believe. And, and that's okay. And all I can do is say, you know, I empathize with how you're feeling. And I just, I hope that you can be okay. That's all you can do. Um, um you can break it try and break it down at a scientific level you know um like the t proteins and what the vaccine does for your body and you know related to a different pandemic like tb or polio but they, it's not going to go in because they're so set in what they want to believe and that's that's okay honestly that's okay because I mean, I'm well within people's rights to do their own thing, but right. when it affects somebody else, I always said if I, I didn't want to give it to my nephews and my niece, I didn't want to give it to my grandparents when they were alive, I would hate to think I'd given it to somebody. Yeah, if I get it, it's probably going to be a flu, I'm probably going to be unwell. You know, right. I'm not thinking it in that terms, but the second I hear, I've done my research, I think, oh, so you spent four years on such a minuscule part of research. You know, like some of the guys mm-hmm. I have are looking at um pig dna from the 1700s and how it affects pigs now you know like it's or how um certain types of fish enzymes can be used in the treatment of depression and all these sorts of amazing things and then i hear somebody on facebook say i've done my i've done my research and they'll give you mm-hmm. the exact like retabac and all these kind of very very strict leaning wow. ways you know and you're like why are you genius where you at the beginning of the pandemic to get rid of it all where were you that's what i want to say to them it's like yeah if it worked if natural immunity worked the black death wouldn't have killed you know it's just like there's so many it's like how i don't i don't know if it's something we can ever fix because now everybody was it the drunning cougar is it where you the 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 stupider somebody is the the smarter they think they are I can't remember which I can't remember which one it is, and it's it's like you know playing chess with a pigeon. They'll knock all the pieces mm-hmm. over and strut around the board thinking they won. Yeah. And you know you can do a Google search and see the the political leanings of your news and look at different mm-hmm. sources. And I try to say that to people is look at the variety of sources before you make a decision. Right. And I mean I'm happy with yeah. what I've done, like for my own personal reasons, but. Right. I just feel like we're never going to get through this unless we do something about it now. And that's why I think it's great to actually have somebody like yourself who's an experienced nurse, who knows what they're talking about, who works with people, you know, get, giving out this information. And right. you're doing it off your own back. You're not doing it because you're sponsored by Pfizer or somebody like that, which I'm sure you've been accused of. <laughs> yeah, I must have shares in Pfizer. It's like, no, I bought some shares. I've sold them now. Didn't make any money on it. But, uh, and that's why when it, I have, uh, in my Instagram stories, Tony showed us how to do it because I'm not savvy with, with all of that stuff, the social media stuff. But I put in, um, I did like a little day by day, um, 
our hospital was one of the first to give out the vaccine. So because I was a like classes like um, educator and like classes administrator. So they got um, people who weren't at the bedside to be able to give out the vaccines to all of the nurses. So I've got, you know, video of us giving the vaccine, getting my vaccine, giving it um, out to everybody. So, you know, it's like evidence and proof that, you know, I'm not <laughs> sponsored by <laughs> Pfizer. I'm not pushing any political agenda. I'm just trying to, you know, do the best for everybody. But, I mean, I was um, disappointed because mine didn't give me any superpowers. It didn't make me magnetic. It didn't give me any of these supposed microchips. And, I know. You know. I know. I'm sorry. It's things, yeah. it's things like, you know, you've got, oh, it's going to put a chip in you and they're going to be able to track you. And then you see what they've sent some soldiers out in battle to with, like, how limited equipment they get. You know, they, they'll say things like, I don't, I don't want to have microchips in my body, but then they'll carry a phone around 24-7. It's, yeah, I heard that one. Yeah, it's just silliness, but yeah, I, I I don't know how we can change that at the moment. And I mean, that's why I was quite interested in your opinion because you're actually seeing people. Do you see a change in people's mindsets once they catch it? Or will our family members, beca- you know, do you see a change in how people react to it? Um, yeah, a, a change in like, well, I didn't, I didn't die. I told you so. Like, great, I'm so happy that you're okay. Um, and I just, I think that that now just makes us feel, it just makes us feel even more like I, I don't want to be one of those healthcare professionals who push the vaccine so much because I just think that makes people more wary and more afraid. It's like kind of like you know having an ego and being stubborn the more you want to push some you know the more you push somebody to do it the more they're going to dig the heels in and argue against it Mm. i think that's where the government went wrong in england and in the us is by forcing people to do things i understand why because they had to for the safety of others who couldn't protect themselves but um yeah just rather they should have just provided information rather than saying you have to do this, everybody has to do this, or you're going to lose your job. You know, just providing the right information, which I think a lot of the government government bodies are doing a better job of, and providing information that's more relatable. So mm. they've, you can tell that they've gotten, you know, media experts on board and who have broken down the information to make it more relatable to those that, you know, who don't work in the scientific field. Scientific field. Yeah, because I mean, if you're believing it's this or that, of course, if you see these videos of how it actually enters the bloodstream and it does, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, you're going to start going, no, it's flies, you know, and it's, yeah, there has to be a level of explaining it to a layman and to somebody with more information, but also right. explain to people who do know how to source information to source it from uh-huh. critical sources or, you know, unbiased sources. And it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, I only had a few questions on this, but I knew potentially COVID was a was a minefield <laughs> to get into. I mean, yeah. what, if we sort of ignore COVID, now we've resolved that issue. What do you <laughs> think are red flags that most guys are having that are ignoring just now? Do you see like standard kind of issues that guys bring? Does it matter on age? Does it matter on like the race or where they're you know where they come from or 
do guys tend to ignore bleeding from the bum, for example, you know, or piles or erectile dysfunction? You know, do you see a commonality in what guys come yeah. to see you? Yeah, definitely. Um, it would be without, you know, getting into trouble for confidentiality. It would be um, always kind of like middle-aged males who would come in when the situation was so dire that they should have came in weeks ago and they'll only come in when a part of the body isn't working anymore because it's you know about to fall off from lack of blood circulation or you know the bleeding so much that they're just completely pale and passing out it's all they always leave it till the last minute and it was it's usually my experience you know middle age um I don't know I can't really say if there's a difference between where you live in, but I'll definitely say I'm leaning towards like the English stiff upper lip, like just keep calm and carry on. Mm. And the last bit shit, the last bit should say until you pass a night or dying on the floor, you know, like that shouldn't be the way anymore. It should be preventative, taking care of yourself, getting regular checkups. You know, unfortunately, after a certain age, you do have to go to the doctor and get your finger up your bum and get your prostate checked. Otherwise, you know, it could be too late and you'll end up with prostate cancer. Well, I mean, that's, so, the, good, that's the good thing is it, it gives your body gives you signs of things are not working. You know, piles, mm-hmm. bleeding from the bum could be just as simple. You've wiped too hard, but it could be like my grandpa had prostate cancer um, and um, eventually I died from it. But he didn't realize that some of the terminology the doctors were giving him, he didn't understand it. So there was right. that kind of miscommunication as well. But yeah. it's like it's like you're saying, it's these guys were taught to be men, were taught to be big, strong. You know, don't ask for help. Just do it yourself. Do yeah, you think especially we, in a fighter world, I imagine. I mean, do you think yeah. we have to break down that machismo, that bullshit to get guys to understand that? You know, if you can't get it up, it could be stress, but it could be something more serious. If you can't do X, it could be this. And how do we get guys to go in and do these regular checks, like heart checks, cholesterol, blood pressure, etc.? I think it has to come from now, this day and age. It has to come from those who are in the public eye, those who are looked upon to be a, a good role, good role models. You know, like fighters, like boxers. Um, if they aren't saying it, if they are walking out the ring after being punched in the face 50 times in a fight and are acting like everything's okay, like they don't have any pain, then of course young kids who are following them, who, you know, treat them like gods are going to do the same. So they have to say, look, you know, I'm going to the doctors. They have to vocalize when they're not doing so well, you know, especially with mental health now. That's one of the huge red flags that are going to be coming up, which is really, really sad and scary. So um, I would just say, you know, anybody who's, um, you know, has a bit of a following. I'm telling Tony all the time, like post about the time that you retired from boxing and that you were depressed and that you turned, you know, to drink because it's going to help so many other people. Mm. I mean, that's the thing. If you've got a platform, it's almost a duty to to put something out yeah. there. And you see all these cases now, people saying, oh, your censorship and all that kind of things. But you need to get people like The Rock talking about, you know, stuff, fitness stuff or as well as medical stuff. He's talked about his own depression. Um, people are like, oh, you know, that let me talk about mine, et cetera. Yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a PhD student who came in, had real issues, had put on antidepressants, thought the world was over. And I was speaking to him and I just said, I've used them. Um, you know, and I, I needed them because of depression, OCD, and it completely took the stigma away. And he sat and spoke yeah. to me about it. And I think that's sometimes what we need is to say, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be open and honest and say, yeah. I need help. I'm struggling. And, yeah. you know, that would be great if Tony could do something like that, where he shows that people that you can be big, tough, strong, and need help and ask for assistance when it's needed. Yeah. So when we come in to see a nurse, see a doctor, what do mm-hmm. the medical professions hate as doing? Do we come in and do the usual, oh, while I'm here, as you've got your hand in the door about to leave at the end of your appointment, and then you pull out mm-hmm. the gangrene leg or whatever? Is there Are there things we could do to help medical professions when we come to get tested, screened, see the doctor, etc.? Like ways explaining it better? Uh, I think to just ask more questions. You know, I think people are afraid to ask questions, maybe because they're afraid to find out what the answer might be. Hmm. But yeah, like if you have something playing on your mind, like just let it out. Like ask, ask. There's no silly question. There really is no silly question. I've heard it. I haven't heard it all because you can't hear it all, but I've heard the questions and there's definitely not a daft one. You just have to you know, let it out what's in your mind. Well, give me a minute, I'm sure I'll find one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, I remember it's something, I mean, I've had sore testicles, I've had injuries like with knees and ankles, and mm-hmm. I've had all sorts and in between. I mean, I have keloid scarring, for example, like my body produces collagen. So right. I've had to get photos taken of lumps in my body and stuff like the benign tumours. And mm-hmm. right. I keep saying that to people is like, once you see that, I feel bad for other people who have them on their face and their neck. You know, they're right. always, I keep saying to people, it's like, just because you've got something, it's not the end of the world. There are remedies, mm-hmm. but just get it seen as quickly as possible. Yeah. And go in and be open and honest and things can be fixed, but not mm-hmm. when you're passing out. There was an article on BuzzFeed a few years back where they were saying five things to watch out for or to go and see a doctor immediately. And one of them was blindness, like sudden blindness and passing out and you thought if you need to be told that there's something far far wrong in your head so you know that's just too far gone and that's the Mm -hmm. that's the common theme you know you you leave it too long um but you know that needs to be changed just yeah that needs to be changed like i did um a lot of research around mental health when i first started doing these youtube videos while i was still in the emergency room around mental health there's so many um drug abuse so much drug abuse in um emergency room physicians and anesthesiologists and icu because they have you know access to these type of drugs Mm -hmm. and so much mental health but it's never talked about which is just so weird you know being an ER nurse you deal with everybody's worst think of like the worst situation that you've been in in the last year, the last year and a half, it's probably 90% of people will say, oh, when, when I had to go to the emergency room, that was my everyday job. Every day was somebody else's worst day of their life. Yeah. But there's no, there was no mental health um, outlets for nurses or doctors to go to. 
it was it would have to be you know a referral from your doctor but first you'd have to go and openly admit that there was something wrong and for years I was you know everybody said oh you're so mentally strong you're so mentally strong Sarah and I spoke to my doctor about this and said why does everybody keep saying that I'm mentally strong when inside I feel like I'm about to have a mental breakdown because and I need help you know luckily I had support from my family and friends to go and take some time out and say you know I need help from somebody because I can't deal with these things Hmm. and that's when I realized we'll have to treat the brain like an organ if you had stomach pain you would go to the doctor and ask I've got stomach pain what's going on or you know I've got pain in my chest 100% you go to the doctor your brain's an organ if you don't take care of it the ramifications can be quite severe Mm. No, that's a very good point. I mean, it's yeah. when I um when I initially had went got depression, I was told it was um sad, you know, season affliction disorder, or right. whatever the actual name was. I can never remember. Yeah, seasonal and, disorder. And I was just like, oh yeah, it's only going to last a wee while. And then people were saying, no, you just need to get some better habits. You just need to be more social and go outgoing. So I came off the tablets, was fine for a wee while. Well, I got some new hobbies. And then as you start mastering the skills and things become, you know, routine, you start getting fed yeah. up. And I realize now that I need to take the tablets as a, um, because it's like a chemical imbalance. But like right. you're saying, is a lot of men will not accept that. You know, you break your mm-hmm. leg, you put it in a, a cast six months you're out whatever you know whereas we're told grow up you know man up you just need to yeah. go and you need to go find a new bird if you're sad you know all this kind of nonsense yeah, this stop m- complaining mm. mm-hmm. how yeah. do you what have you seen as a rise in mental health issues since the pandemic because i think a lot of people realized we were concentrating on some of the more like pathetic things in our lives and the people that we should have been giving credit to were not getting the support they needed and people's lives were you know like i do a lot of brazilian jiu-jitsu for example and a lot of people were saying they needed it to keep themselves sane you know when they took the sports away when they took um like yeah. freedom of movement away how how have you seen the mental health issues arise since the covid pandemic started yeah there's so many statistics i just read recently the um the journal of psychiatry they received their referrals from the online referral system and they've, you know, tripled in the last year. That's just for um, kids who are at school and who've been referred through the school system and through the um, general, the GPs. And that's just for severe mental illness. That's not just Mm. for mild, which is also important. Um, So it's, it's tripled, like it's, it's becoming a real issue. So I think a lot of people, a lot of people need to be more aware of it and just seek out, the resources that are available to them which are a lot more now thankfully i remember at the start i was told it was six weeks to just get you know to see somebody unless you want to pay to go and i think it's getting a lot better now but for people Mm -hmm. who are maybe sitting there they're fed up feeling at a low ebb and they think it's just because of the pandemic it's just because of work just because of stress what are the signs of mental health issues that we shouldn't ignore are there kind of a red flags that you think are immediately going no maybe go and speak to somebody you know just mm-hmm. just in case 
Like for me, it's um, like if my flat starts getting dirty, I used to notice that's when I started yeah, letting things slip one. or mm-hmm. I would stay inside or jujitsu wouldn't be as fun. You know, I noticed my own kind of yeah. issues. Have you yeah, noticed it? I did. I've done a whole um, video on this and then I got to edit it to break it down into little YouTube shots just to make it more, you know, sink into people. So just like losing interest in little things. Um, you know, like, like you said, you, you would really look forward to going to jujitsu. You know, if you lo- lost interest in that, you know, that's a red flag. Um, always the thing that would make me feel better was going for a little bit of a shopping spree. You know, I might not even buy anything, but just window shopping. And, you know, if that wasn't making me feel better, then I would, you know, I would know that, hang on, I need to like check in with a friend or, you know, a family member, or if they're not available, then, you know, a healthcare, a healthcare professional, you know, there's a lot of, I know over here, they're a lot more available online now. Hmm. Um, You can get an appointment quite quickly with somebody, which is great. Um, So losing interest, um, appetite, sleeping too much or sleeping too little. Um, And sleep's a huge thing that I'm concentrating on right now. Um, It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy. So how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. Yeah. That's something you do notice a lot of people. It's like, you know, they, it's only once it starts the compound interest. They only start noticing it after a few weeks where, yeah. you know, they're maybe getting told off by a boss or they're exploding. They're, you know, they're much easier to anger. And yeah. there's all these amazing like apps now you can use and like meditation tools and journaling mm-hmm. and things like that. I mean, I, I particularly like cognitive behavior therapy. I found that mm-hmm. a real benefit of actually taking your thought and changing and understanding it, you weren't the thought. It was just yes. an automatic thing that you could think through and go, no, I, I disagree yeah, with that. You, you know, that sort of thing. It, right? yeah. mm-hmm. How do you think these things are useful for people or should they come immediately and speak to a doctor? Should we try, you know, are there other habits you would introduce? Like for me, a 10 minute daily walk, for example, can change yeah. your day. Definitely getting outside. Um, I think taking a minute, just it's a form of med. It sounds, you know, it's meditation, but really all it is, is, and it's so useful and so powerful is to just like taking a minute, like you day all the time, just go, go, go. Like you've got your phone in your hand or there's the kids or, you know, you're running around working, but just, People don't give themselves the chance to go somewhere, be outside, find a nice quiet space and just sit and think about nothing. Like it's really, really beneficial to just, you know, chill out for a minute and then like let your thoughts play through, like really recognize how you're feeling. You know, am I just stressed because my kid threw a tantrum or is it really me who's been the stress head? You know, so just like take 10 minutes, you know, 
a lot of people actually meditate for one or two hours a day, which is, you know, amazing to me. But mm. it's a really powerful tool for the mind. So even if you just take 10 minutes a day to sit, don't think about anything. Like there's so many studies that show that's so great for the mind. Because, I mean, I used to use the Headspace app. I don't know if you've used yeah. that. And it's like a 10-minute yeah. guided meditation. You know, you don't mm-hmm. need to take 20, 30 minutes. So, you know, you can do these, like, basic changes. Um, Stan Efferdine I had on the show, he was saying, take 10 minutes, go for a walk after you've eaten, and it helps your digestion. You know, and there's mm-hmm. all these kind of little tricks of, like, I mean, jiu-jitsu changed my life. I lost a ton of weight from that. But I know right. it's not for everybody. So maybe taking mm-hmm. up a sports club, maybe like meetup.com is another fantastic source for these sort of things. So I always say yeah. to people, um, I don't know if you've seen that um, graphic. It's like maybe you're not depressed. Maybe you're at check. You're not cover, uh, surrounded by arseholes. You know, it's <laughs> and you think, well, right, that's it. that might be true in some cases. It. Um, yeah, just need to like remove yourself and just for me, my time is on a morning I'll wake up and it's light over here. So just like getting some sun on my face or even if it's cloudy, like just getting some vitamin D on your eyes, Hmm. it helps get your rhythm for sleep the following night, like your circadian rhythm. Um, And that's my time in the morning, like 10 minutes before the kids get up, before all hell breaks loose, (laughs) just 10 minutes in the morning. um, Just to like, okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Like feeling okay. Because these things, they, you know, they don't need to change your entire day. You don't need to be doing two hours of it or, you know, you can go and do a five minute exercise or, you know, 15 minutes of some basic body weight exercises. It doesn't need to yeah. be an all day event. Yeah. How do you know then what is stress and what's something more serious? Is there an, is there an indicator? Is there a way, does depression come with anxiety, does stress cause certain changes in the body that we can notice and say okay that's stress i just need to go and have a breather you know like box breathing that sort of thing help or are there are there ways to identify stress anxiety depression between them yeah that's that's a good question it's that's the tricky part is that everybody it affects everybody differently everybody's brain chemistry is different so it's important to know how you're different you know, like, no, so just if you're doing it every day, taking a minute to check in with yourself, then you'll know if there's a big change, you know, you'll know if you're, if this is just a stressful situation that's going on in your life, or if this is something more serious, like you really have, you know, you have brain chemistry. So sometimes your serotonin levels can just drop and there's nothing you can do about it. And you might have to go on medication. That's normal. Mm. It can affect, it'll affect everybody at some point in their life. So if you don't check in with yourself and you don't know what your normal is, how can you know when something doesn't feel right? You know, if you're feeling more tearful, if you're feeling more stressed or yelling more, um, if you're just struggling to get up in the morning, you know, if you, if you don't check in, you don't know that that's abnormal to yourself. Cause that's the tricky part. Everybody's different. That's a fantastic answer because that's the thing is, yeah. you know, like they say, what gets measured gets managed. And if you don't know your baseline, how do you know when you're when you're going off it? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say it's different. Like a good example would be everybody has a set 
sodium level or a set potassium level. Those are the levels that you need for your body to function. But your brain's tricky. You don't know how much serotonin is in your brain. You can't measure it with a blood test. All you can do is go off how you're feeling. And are there yeah. other tests that we can do at home? Is there sort of natural checks you can do? You know, I mean, like waking up and checking your pulse, um, checking the color of your eyes, the using like sleep apps to see how much unbroken sleep, uh, REM sleep you had. Is there anything we yeah. can do? I have this ring. Mm-hmm. It's called an aura ring. Um, but there are, and it's a sleep, it tracks how well I'm sleeping. So one of the biggest indicators for how healthy you are and how well you're doing for everything, mentally, physically, is how well you sleep. Because when you sleep, and I don't know, if, I don't think a lot of people actually give this full recognition is that when you sleep, your body repairs itself, you know, physically. When you're awake, every cell gives off a waste product. And when you sleep, all stages of sleep are important. But when you sleep, your body um, gets rid of those waste products. So that's why you feel fresh in the morning because your body's flushed away those waste products. And, you know, your cells repair. Um, sleep's like the sleep's more important than food. You know, like you'll die. You'll There's an interesting fact that says like you'll die faster from lack of sleep than you would from lack of food. That just shows you how important sleep is like for everything. Because there's a lot of myths about sleep, aren't there? You know, like you can catch up on sleep that you can yeah. have, you can power nap through the day, and you don't need to rest, like sleep properly. Yeah, is there a way of like going to sleep? And you know, we're always told it's vital to our health. But how do you get proper sleep? You know, how, is there hacks that we can use to get you know like eye masks, blackout curtains? How do uh-huh. we get to a point? Because I'm up in the middle of the night a couple of times. I For a while, I couldn't wake up feeling refreshed. I was always tired. How do we avoid broken sleep? So many things contribute to a bad night's sleep. So one of the big things that impacts everybody now is technology. So your phone, your laptop gives off this blue light. Mm. And that stops the production of melatonin. And melatonin is the chemical that your brain makes to help you fall asleep and help you stay in, stay and go through the different sleep, sleep stages. And, you know, if you step, we're all doing it. We're all looking at our phone or watching TV before bed. So I would say stop doing that two hours before bed. If you can't do that, you know, if you're working, you've got a deadline, invest in some good, um, blue light blocking glasses. Have you heard of those before? They have like Mm. an orange tint and they stop the blue light getting into your eyes and that's where you're making the melatonin, which helps you stay asleep. One of the guys I had on the podcast invented Swannies, which were like blue light blocking glasses. Oh, really? And Mm -hmm. at the time I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. And then as I've seen the more and more and how you can get glasses now with certain blue light um, blocking tints on your eyeglasses and stuff like that and it's mm-hmm. I think we're now beginning to realize how much 24 7 internet is a destructive habit for us yeah it's- yeah definitely um the other thing that really disrupts sleep is eating late at night and it's it's so 
I mean, it's crap because it's my favourite thing to do. Watch, binge on a series and eat loads of food before bed and drink wine. It's the best. But it's the worst for your sleep and it's the worst for your health. So you just have to refrain from that and you'll see your sleep if you have an app. And if you're tracking before and after, you'll dramatically see that your deep sleep will be you know, better. Your REM sleep will be better. Um, you know, just overall your health and it will improve. And is there ways we can avoid that sort of afternoon crush? You know, like the one just after lunch when everybody's just, you see a lot of people just crumble. Mm-hmm. Is there ways we can kind of just say, like keep the energy level up without needing the coffee, without needing the donuts, without needing a pick-me-up at all? Yeah, um, that is a hard one depending on your work environment for me I needed to take like a five minute power nap in just the break room which was really noisy always but I'll just shut my eyes for five minutes but you know if you can't do that then you know getting outside for some fresh air walking around and staying hydrated that's another thing Hmm. and you know eating healthy it's just all it's all the basic tips that we know but we don't follow and then we wonder why like oh why is this happening and it's just little reminders um having a pop having a having a carb heavy lunch um like pizza pasta those are going to make you feel great and give you an energy spike but then 30 minutes later your sugar will drop and then you'll just feel even more exhausted so then you grab for the coffee to keep you awake but that's just an even bigger mistake as for me I don't drink coffee two o'clock's the latest cutoff um it lasts in your system for eight hours that's the half-life so if you have a big cup of a big jug of star um starbucks like blonde roast i think i've it's got about 400 milligrams of caffeine in it so if you have that i know if you have that at two o'clock in the afternoon eight hours later half of that is still going to be in your system so what time is that like eight o'clock and there's people guzzling it after dinner and like it's kind of fashion Uh that's terrifying because you see that i mean that used to be in like our um our warm-ups you know before you would go to your pre-workout we'd have caffeine in it and it wouldn't even be that much Mm -hmm. caffeine and that's to go and do an exercise activity or something yeah jeez i never thought about that and it's Is tea, decaf, is that any better? Yeah, that's much better. If you need a cup of, if you need like a hot drink on an afternoon, get some decaf tea, you know, down here. Some green tea is even better, but just make sure that it's decaf. And the soft drinks as well, like addictive and they've got caffeine in them too. So just, you know, be aware. So I'm always checking everything to make sure they don't have caffeine in because I can tell, you know, like, and I'll count eight hours later that's still half of that caffeine that's in my system and then I wonder why I'm wide awake at 10 o'clock at night looking at my phone (laughs) it's a destructive cycle isn't it you immediately one leads to another so when Mm -hmm. would you have hard and fast rules say like no internet after 10 o'clock give yourself an hour Mm -hmm. to to switch off all devices no like you're saying no coffee what other kind of dietary changes do you think all men should make I know it's a bit of a general um, question. Um, so the hard fasting rules, so no, um, you know, no phone in your face, at least an hour, two hours if you can before bed. 
um, no TV. I mean, it sounds like, oh God, what else am I going to do? You know, like there's books you can read, you know, um, just having a wind down routine. It's the same that we do for kids, you know, dimming down the lights, making it calm, reading a bedtime story. Those are all rules that we can apply to our, to our own bedtime routine just to help us wind down and switch off. And it's not a mind over matter, you know, oh, well, I can not do all those rules and still be on my phone and it's a mind over matter. It's, it's actually like a basic physiological chemistry of the brain that you need to follow these rules to help mm. you have a better night's sleep. You know, it's what your brain needs us to do. And um, my a few of my ex-girlfriends will probably appreciate me asking this, but how do you stop snoring badly? I noticed when I lose <laughs> weight a bit around my throat, for example, yeah. I don't snore as bad. Is there a way, are we predetermined that we are going to snore? Is there a way we can improve snoring? Um, it's definitely do with weight and lifestyle. So, you know, if you're a good BMI and if you exercise, um, but sometimes people just like Tony snores. He's been punched in the nose a lot of times. So he's got a deviated septum. So it's nothing you can do about that. Some people's anatomy are just, that's the way it is. Um, just try, you know, lay on your side or you can try those, um, there's these things called breathe easy nasal strips that you can put on and they just open up your, um, your sinuses more they really help so it's just by trying little hacks like that that help for you sometimes the air is just too dry so try getting a humidifier in the room yeah just a few things that you can try because some people they just can't help it no matter what they do with the weight and diet i suppose that's the thing isn't it there's always going to be things you can do to try fix it before it gets to the point you're divorced or you know you've been <laughs> sent off to another room do you think <laughs> You've met, I mean, Tony um, has got a fantastic channel on his own YouTube and, you know, he does the boxing and coaching, etc. Do you think mm-hmm. having a husband who's been into the sporting realm has helped your education as a nurse? Has it shown you the working with sportsmen to understand the issues like athletes, you know, like how more serious injuries such as concussions, broken hands, things like that has made you a better nurse in a way? Yeah, definitely. I I was in nursing school when we first met and we've just learned and progressed together. And I remember first learning about concussions in nursing school and then you go off to do your placements in the ER. And the first time I saw somebody um, knocked out, it was this young kid and one minute he's absolutely fine and the next minute he's all confused and he's trying to climb out of bed. I was saying, what's, oh, he's been a right pain in the butt this young lad like let's get security on him because now he's you know like causing a ruckus in the ER what really was happening what I would know now as an experienced nurse what I didn't know then because I was learning is that he his concussion had now turned to a brain bleed and that the change in his mentation was you know something some serious brain trauma that was going on Hmm. um and just you know learning together about that and now what we know Everybody always says that if I knew what I knew then, wouldn't have done this. You know, it wouldn't have changed anything, but just being more aware of the injuries that he could, for Tony, you know, the injuries that he could, that he sustained to his head, you know, can have like life changing effects. Um, I've been reading a book by Tris Dixon 
called um what's it called it's called damage and um he it's a really good a really good book and i think anybody involved in boxing or um martial arts or mma should be reading it because it's just so eye-opening and I can't remember the last time I cried at a book, but this had me in tears a few of the times, just the examples that it gives you of um, of boxing and mixed martial arts, of, you know, the injuries on the brain, what still even now aren't really acknowledged, especially mm. in the boxing world. It's um, It's really, really frightening. I mean, it's only recently with, like, concussion protocols and, like, NFL and to, like, even F1 and stuff like that. It's only now they've really started kind of thinking how these kind of, like, heavy impacts. Um, I mean, I know with jiu-jitsu you feel alive because, you know, you're getting choked out and you're getting stretched and all these kind of things. But you realize when something's wrong because you it makes you more aware of it in the, if you've yeah. been involved in sports. But I think a lot of guys just go, I'm just bored. I've just got a, a back, a sore back. Oh, I've got a dodgy knee. It doesn't need to be that right. way. We can deal with it. Um, yeah. I mean, I've still got pages of questions, so I'd love to do around two of you. But <laughs> what would you want people to have in their house for first aid equipment? Is there stuff we should have? Good question. You know, because. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. We don't have a first day again. Because <laughs> I mean, like, have. you have um, the, the, yeah. most, the most basic thing is um, some antiseptic cream. That's the first thing I reach for. Can I answer this question? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll answer this question. What we should have in the house is a nurse. Tell you, I wish we all had a nurse. I'm telling you. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we haven't got a first day kit. What are you talking about? We haven't got a first day kit because we got a. <laughs> well, not that you take any notice. Anyway, um, nice to meet you, mate. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> well, funny enough, I was going to ask you, um, when I originally asked Tony to come on, he was saying about potentially, you know, to interview yourself. And he talked you up a big talk, you know, gave you a lot of credit. And you two seem to be made for each other. You're on the videos together. You know, you've got three oh, kids you. together. You've got a beautiful family. What do you think this taught you growing up and, you know, do, uh, working together, et cetera, on these ventures? It's taught you about keeping good relations and making, a, you know, things that last? Um, communication. That's the biggest thing, the absolute biggest thing. Because, you know, how do you know what is going on if you don't? It's just like basic forms of communication, which just gets like, lost in translation so many times, especially by text. Have you ever tried to have a argument over text? It just like, mm -hmm. like one side is just absolutely fuming when really it could be, it's not even meant to come across like that at all. Um, and that's just ignoring the basic form of communication, like sitting down and actually taking a minute to say like, are you all right? Like, and just patience, especially, <laughs> especially with him. And, I, and I've got a lot of patience, you know, from the work that I've been doing for ever. You have to be patient to be in the ER. Um, yeah, patience and communication. 
And what do you think the working and, you know, the, um, educating other nurses, working in the ER, etc., what has that taught you about juggling demands, dealing with stress, dealing with, well, pricks, being drunk and shouting at you and all these kind of things? What have you learned to juggle all these kind of things? Um, I've learned to not take it personally, that they're not, calling me a, a dirty bitch because they don't like us. It's because, you know, they're in the ER and they're really annoyed that they're in the ER mm. and they want to go home. Um, so, yeah, just don't take it personal. And it's whenever somebody's angry, it's not really about me. It's about what's going on with them. That's, like, one of the biggest things that I've learned from the ER. Yeah, it's great advice rather than thinking it's at you. It's because they can't control their feelings about the situation, so they're reacting yeah. to the situation, not to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still have to like catch myself and say, it's not about me. It's not the world. It's not revolving around me. It's not anything to do with me, even though it's all directed at me. You know, just like just take a step back. Yeah. And it's like you're saying, take a breather, go and have, get, you know, go and get some vitamin D, come back and take a breather then restart i'd love to have you on again and do another one but for the people who what would you like to sum up this interview as um because i I just noticed the time sorry what would you want people to take from this as a sort of go home message you know what would you want them to remember about general health it can be about covid it can be about just looking after ourselves better and making sure our later years are just the same as our younger years we don't need to be unfit we don't need to be unhealthy as we age yeah, I think that, that same, that what you're saying is just so true. Um, just to ask questions and, you know, there's no silly question, you know, um, and just taking a minute, just taking a minute to figure things out. And, um, the last thing I would say is just to be a little bit kinder to yourself because, um, it sounds really cheesy in LA, but I promise you, it's really useful. Is just to not be so hard on yourself. You know, if thing if you're having a bad day or you've you know yelled at somebody that you didn't mean to yell at, like it's all right. You know, just be mm-hmm. kinder to yourself. It's yeah. like they say, was it really a bad day or was it just a bad twenty minutes? You know. Yeah. And have you seen that article where the guy was saying to split it up into four quadrants of the day? So you can have a bad morning first, but then the second one you can restart. And since I read that, I was like, that's awesome. That's the way I'm looking at life from now. Yeah, that's really helpful, that. um, And how can people keep in touch? Because you've got the Instagram, you've got the YouTube, you know, you're doing amazing work. How can we find out? How can we see more of the stuff you're doing and follow your brand as you explode? Um, yeah, on I've got Instagram, The Greatest Sleep. So I've changed it from Nurse Sarah to The Greatest Sleep. Um, I'm not sure if I should change it back to Nurse Sarah. Just something that I'm playing with because hmm. I really am passionate about sleep because um, it just affects everything. But, um, yeah, on Instagram and I've got a Twitter, but I'm new to that. Not really sure how to use it properly. <laughs> and I've got uh, YouTube. Yeah, just through YouTube. The comments on YouTube, I, I like to read those and get back to people. 
you know, it's um, it's really helpful to know what people are thinking and like what videos they want to know about next. And are you happy for people to send you like things they would like you to discuss and suggestions yeah. of issues? Perfect. Um, yeah, definitely. I love that. Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.